When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to this, let's just say, more remote edition of the On the Pony Express podcast. I am Billy Embody. Thanks for listening. Coming at, coming at you from Maine on a little vacation before the season really picks up, but able to carve out a little time for a podcast. But I wish I had better news to bring you guys, as this is really our first time since talking, since everything really fell apart with the Pac-12 and conference realignment going the way against SMU in a sense right now um, as the Big as the Big Ten and the Big 12 both aggressive in conference realignment landing their big fish Oregon and Washington to the Big Ten Brett Yormark lands for the Big 12 plenty of the Pac-12's remaining schools and that leaves Cal Stanford Oregon State and Washington State left in the Pac-12 for the 2024 season. Uh, It's a boneyard over there on the West Coast of some of these colleges that are on the verge of getting left behind. But we've got some things to talk about still, kind of next steps for SMU, what it all, all means, and how the AAC could factor in to potentially either giving SMU a better conference bringing SMU to some sort of a Power 5 level? Or does that mean the Pac-12 scoops up much of the AAC as a Band-Aid until the Mountain West, the price goes down for those programs in 2025? So let's jump in here. We were out at practice on Friday, and what a morning it was. Um, Pretty buzzworthy day in in general. Uh, There was a sense that overnight, uh, multiple reports indicating that things had fallen apart for Oregon and Washington to go to the Big Ten. We saw momentum, at least in reports, that the Arizona schools, as well as Utah, were going to stay put and not go anywhere and sign a grant of rights, which would secure the Pac-12 future for years to come, as well as uh, a expansion, which was expected to include SMU and San Diego State. Instead, what we got was complete uh, disaster for George Klyovkov, which that's what this entire year has been for him. Uh, Losing USC and UCLA, losing Colorado, uh, losing the rest of these schools now to the Big 12 and the Big 10 is about as bad as it can go uh, for his tenure overall. And look, Larry Scott laid this bed that the Pac-12 is in, and, and now, of course, you get all the I mean, lack of a better term, freezing cold takes where the Pac-12 turned down OU in Texas and the Pac-12 turned down Houston and TCU um, and opted to stay put. Um, All of those things are now um, biting them in the tail, um, without a doubt. Uh, This is a a league that is on the verge of complete and total collapse, and it is on life support, uh, which is the only way to put it at this point. And... Now, the the question is, 
and this is where we're talking about this on Monday and, and a couple of reports saying that the ACC is kicking the tires on Cal and Stanford. Uh, again, I don't know where that, how aggressive that is right now, but in terms of some of the things we've talked about with SMU and the ACC, and again, we've reported this throughout and we'll kind of put a bow on SMU side of things as we get later on, but SMU has been in talks with the ACC in large part because they feel like academically they fit in better. They like the East Coast and Eastern time zone uh, that they'd be in. And it'd be certainly a more stable conference in the Pac-12, uh, that grant of rights uh, obviously being in play until 2036. And if you do enter that league, you would go in at the number uh, that they're at um, currently. So it would be a, it would not be necessarily a waiting period of uh, funds. Now, you can negotiate that and things like that, but the ACC would be a terrific situation for SMU for multiple reasons. But in terms of Stanford, I completely get it. I don't understand Cal. They don't show a commitment to playing sports at a very high level right now. They're an insane amount of depth debt uh, overall, and it is just kind of one of those train wreck places right now for college sports. Stanford, on the other hand, they've always done a really nice job of giving their student athletes what they need. Obviously, it's a very high academic institution, so it is. it comes with a difficult you have to have the right coach in there that's going to do the right things to have them be in a in a continuous winning phase. And and we've saw that in the past, just now years ago, but um and, and David Shaw has moved on. So there's a lot of things changing at Stanford right now. But overall, Stanford is what SMU kind of sees their themselves long term if given the right tools to succeed in a power five conference. Now I think SMU is not on the level of Stanford in, in the academic sense. We know that SMU, for their players, for their athletes, you don't have to necessarily be a, a normal SMU student in terms of getting into the, the, to the school. Stanford, very different story, very different story for their grad programs as well. We've seen guys haven't been able to necessarily continue their careers because of that there, um, and, and SMU has been the beneficiary as well. Uh, on that front uh, in a couple of instances. But overall, that's a good blueprint for where SMU wants to be. So if, as we look at the early ACC, Cal, Stanford um, negotiations, it is kind of a, a tough pill to swallow if SMU does not necessarily get uh, into that room. But SMU has been in discussions with the ACC for a long time. So that's worth noting. Um, and as we've looked at the options for SMU when it comes to realignment, the Big 12, not really an option. We know there are roadblocks in the state of Texas stopping SMU from joining that league. Put it out, out of sight, out of mind. When it comes to the Pac-12, you have a league that if they can get a group of AAC schools and a group of Mountain West schools in 2025, get the AAC in 2024, Mountain West in 2025, you've now solidified yourself. Now, the question is, what makes the most sense to do all of that? Because you have a league in the Pac-12 that does have Power 5 autonomy right now. But do they keep that? Do they keep that ability to get an auto qualifier um, bid overall? Or 
do we see them take that away, which we've also seen rumored? Would that would that auto qualifying bid for the for the college football playoff go? Um, you know, would it drop down uh, by a number, and would the Pac-12 no longer be included? That's something that has now been discussed. So, if the Pac-12 loses that, that is, then you start get, to get into the question of well, what's better? What's better for SMU long term? Because on top of that, you don't know the number from the Pac-12 media deal either. And that was all before those schools left the league. So as SMU kind of evaluates that and tries to figure out what's best for them overall, the key is figuring out where the pieces go, first of all. And that is going to be on the Pac-12. It's going to be on Mike Oresco. And that's where the AAC is going on the offensive. And according to Eric Prisbell and, and multiple reports, uh, Eric is one of our uh, national reporters here at On3. The AAC is trying to chase down these Pac-12 schools that are still in the league. Here's the bright side. We've talked about this ton of cash that that league now has because of some exit fees um, that, that are um, going to be paid out, I believe. Uh, from USC and UCLA, now you have a situation where, okay, you have... Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The opportunity to kind of have this war chest of funds, um, and it's not it's not exit fees, it's um, payouts from uh, the college football playoff, from the, um, the NCAA tournament, all those things that those schools are kind of giving up. So this war chest, that they're going to have access to where does it go? How does it help the league? And is it something that is molded into another league with a merger? That's something that's being discussed uh, according to multiple reports. But what the AAC is doing is they're trying to say, hey, Oregon State, Washington State, Cal, Stanford, come to the AAC. You've got the linear partner in ESPN already in play that you wanted, plus ESPN plus. That is where you could kind of get the ball rolling on something now. It won't be something that I don't, I don't think adds immediate value to the league's television deal. But when you have those four really stabilizing the conference, that might be a better situation. And then that's when you can maybe knock on the door of being a potential power five league. I just don't see the, the Pac-12 with some of the Mountain West in 2025, with some of the AAC in 2024, being this league that can hold on to the AQ. Um, that they have what they might be able to do is mold it all in there with the American and figure out a way to make that happen. I don't know. It's a little shaky, but I think in terms of TV dollars, the next go around, maybe there's an upgrade there potentially. So it's one of those things where if you're SMU, you want to stay flexible, which they have been throughout this. They weren't out there, you know, beating their chest like San Diego state. And look, we've reported behind the scenes, SMU felt like if they expanded, they were going to get in. And Friday, 
there was a lot of people out at that practice waiting to pop the champagne if that Granite Rights was signed and uh, expansion came shortly thereafter, which all of that was expected until the tides turned. Oregon, Washington left, Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, all of them left. So it was one of those things that it was so close. And it is a tough reality for for SMU um, knowing that as well. But it's out of their control. There's nothing they could do. George Klyovkov made his bed over the last year and schools were ready to go. Um, and and look, I think you got to give it to the Big Ten and the Big 12 for playing this wonderfully. Uh, the Big Ten was able to get Oregon and Washington on the cheap for a little bit. The Big 12, uh, they just continued to hammer away. They were aggressive. They got Colorado that kind of creaked the door and then they kicked it in. Uh, really, thanks in large part to Arizona, which, um, you know, was not necessarily uh, shy about, you know, sharing their kind of trepidation over the whole thing. Arizona State was really the one that wanted to to stay, and instead um, they're all leaving. So I, I think now for SMU and and people want to say, well, what's next? What's next? Well, there's there's only so much you can do because you're looking at a Pac-12 right now that you can't sit here and say, you just take it, you take it right away because you don't know what a TV deal would look like. You don't know what their auto qualifying uh, for the college football playoff looks like at all. You don't know those things. And so they've got to remain flexible on what's next. And that includes working with the AAC. If that maybe is the best chain of what needs to happen. And look, the good thing for the AAC is they have ESPN as one of their partners. So if ESPN says that's a good idea, take those four schools, guess what? It's probably going to happen. It's probably going to be worked out because these TV networks, that was one thing we said from the beginning, they're key in this. They figure out how the dollars and cents work. They direct these conferences and these programs. And unfortunately for SMU, this is one of those things where uh, you haven't been able to really see the fruits of all this benefit them. And so... Um, when it comes to these conferences and these television networks, those are the ones really pulling the strings uh, from behind the scenes. And you can see all of those moments really lead up to what was a, a, a kind of a blind side, but we saw it coming uh, in a way with the Pac-12 is they weren't able to get ahead of all of this. They weren't able to fend off these these uh, conferences and these these uh, TV networks. And that's why we saw it all fall apart. And so um, now you have to figure out if you're the AAC, what's best. The Pac-12 is clearly, since they don't have a media partner, they're on the out of all of this. And even Apple, as they put together a relatively good deal, I think, as it's kind of come out, you know, 25 million base, which, you know, shouting distance from uh the big the big 12s but a one that could see escalators again it's kind of one of those things where it's hard to predict how well it would go and it's hard to go year to year with something you don't know and you can't budget for so that's the hard part with apple and right now they haven't signed anything so they're not even the partners so they can't even direct them and say go do this go do that it'll be better for you and here's why um, so it's a very difficult situation being the Pac-12 for the AAC because they have that media rights partner. They can get some of the good guidance because for ESPN, ESPN still wants the AAC to do well. 
You know, it's a group of five conference right now. There's no doubt about that. But ESPN isn't going to say, okay, well, you know, don't do this. It might help you. That doesn't make sense. ESPN wants to help their viewership. Now that the rest of conference realignment, for the most part, is at least settled for the immediate future, ESPN can say now to the AAC, okay, maybe it is the right thing for you to go and try to get these guys. Now, on the flip side, Cal and Stanford, ACC, the ACC is a partner of ESPN. That's something that's worth noting as well. And that's maybe why we're seeing some of these early discussions come with Cal and Stanford. I don't think Oregon State and Washington State bring enough to the table for ESPN to say, go talk to all four. And when you look at the ACC, this is going to be insane. The Potentially, as look, you have so many on the East Coast with the ACC. With the American, you do have a little bit of a move. You have four, four colleges in Texas. You have Tulsa. You have Memphis. You have Tulane. That's a little bit different of a flight for, let's say, four of those Pac-12 schools than it is playing all on the East Coast all the time, um, you know, if you're if you're Cal and Stanford. So it's a very interesting time right now in conference realignment. For SMU, the next steps are continue to just try to find a way to have strong discussions with the ACC, which they've had, all things considered, encouraging discussions with the ACC. They're not discussions that you sit here and say, oh, wow, they're getting in. But they're not discussions that say, oh, wow, they're being discounted either. The ACC is in a really precarious spot. They don't want to take off any more than they can FSU and Clemson. Now, a case study, a case study and why to maybe be on the aggressive front of conference realignment is exactly what happened to the Pac-12. We can see the issues there with Florida State and Clemson. Will they get a chance to leave for another conference as soon as things are over with with their outset they're looking for, with their even grant of rights, which is way down the line, that's something to watch. Why not be on the offensive? And you have roughly 10 plus years to build a better league with whoever you decide to add. That's something the ACC has to consider. So for SMU, the fact that they've been in dis- discussions with them, at least on, I would call them middle of the road discussions. There's nothing that have, have led to SMU being at the table like they were with the Pac-12, knowing, hey, if X, Y, and Z happens and expansion happens, you're in. But they're also not, hey, go away. They're not uh, keep expectations really low. They're, be, they're kind of active discussions. So those things are worth noting when it comes to the ACC and their future. Um, And for SMU, the last piece, just got to win. They have to win big this year. Expectations are really high for this team, and they have got to capitalize on the team that they have here in fall camp and win a conference championship or at the very least get to that conference title game. A win against one of those Power 5 opponents would certainly go a long way for SMU in terms of trying to solidify themselves as a really good option for a uh, major league to expand. And really, at this point, the last – major league to expand that SMU is really looking at is the ACC. We know the Pac-12 has to expand, but what does that look like? Is that the right thing to do? You just don't know what the future holds for that automatic bid to the college football playoff, um, especially that's that's critical, and that access to the playoff 
is really the most is one of the most important things driving this, but TV dollars are as well. So SMU's got to try to evaluate all of that if they do get the call to be in the Pac-12. So the biggest thing right now is win, and SMU is working on that. Uh, they're in fall camp right now. Uh, SMU is uh, entering week two uh, for fall camp. They wrapped up practice on Monday. And uh, they've been going almost a week now. They started last Wednesday, so we're able to get in there and see a lot of the um, early takeaways that are there to be had uh, for SMU fans. And I think this is a team that right now seems like they should be in line for that college or for that conference championship game. Uh, that is a massive, massive piece here uh, when it comes to um, SMU's future. Um, is getting to that conference championship game and and being you know that in it um, quite honestly and and so um, I think for SMU they have to continue to just stack those days together uh, and and get better as a team and put all that together and it's early they've only been in pads a few days um, but we are going to talk about some of our early takeaways on that front kind of some of the top position battles uh, we're going to talk about some some of the early takeaways. But first, I got to talk to you guys about Game Time, the exclusive uh, ticketing partner of On3 Sports. And this is an incredible opportunity for you guys because when you go to GameTime.co or use the app Game Time, it's just one word, you can get 20% off your first order with Game Time using promo code PONY. So check them out, Game Time. Uh, look. It is so stressful sometimes and annoying to buy through other ticketing uh, options uh, for your games, your concerts, all of those things. Um, but Game Time makes it easy. The app, I've used it multiple times. I've used it for Stars games. I've used it for um, actually one of the latest examples is we used it uh, to purchase some comedy tickets. Uh, so you can go through that and get the best deal you can. Um, game time, the game time, the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. So if you find tickets in the same section and row for less game time, will credit you 110% of the diff of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. So I was going through the game time app and looking for the tickets, going back and forth with my brother-in-law talking about it, seeing which way we were going to go. And I said, hey, Game Time's got the best price. Boom, we went with Game Time. Uh, so we have those uh, locked down for our wives' early birthday presents. So uh, we're excited about that. Uh, we got out way ahead of it, uh, and we're able to use Game Time. So check out Game Time. It's the best ticketing experience that I've had. Uh, and when it's last-minute deals, that's where you can really capitalize on those. So uh, get exclusive exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, concerts, comedy, and more. Check them out, gametime.co, or use the Game Time app. Download it, create an account, use the code PONY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem your code PONY for $20 off. Downla download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price. Guaranteed. Excited to partner with Game Time for this college football season, the exclusive ticketing uh, platform for On3. 
and and look, there were some of the squirrels behind me that were excited about that one too at the end there. So uh, don't be afraid to uh, try out game time. When it comes to SMU football, they're back on the field. They're in pads. Fan day was Saturday. I wasn't there, but we did have uh, our uh, newest contributor, Eddie Moran, helping us out, getting practice video, taking all the reports down. Uh, but I was there for Wednesday through Friday and including the first day in pads, which was Friday. And I think the big thing I, I look at when I when I see SMU is I see a new attention to detail. And Scott Simons met with the media on Saturday and had a lot of good things to say about how they've progressed into this team that can focus on the fundamentals. And if you're watching on our, our, on our YouTube channel, you see them working on some special teams, fundamentals and things like that. Um, but that is just one key piece to SMU and what they've been able to do during fall camp. During fall camp, they've opened up with a ton of special teams, uh, individual drills, uh, uh, work, technique, all those things. But they've also, especially on the defensive side, obviously gone through tackling drills. And that was something that Scott Simon says they really haven't necessarily been able to do early on in their tenure. They haven't been able to uh, address that as enough. And he said that all the way last year, they wanted to do more tackling, but they needed to get the guys on the same page. And that was a work in progress throughout the year this year. And they said they were going to do it in the spring and they did it. They focused a lot more on tackling and technique. So for SMU, they're building off of that spring emphasis, which was tackling, and now they're going into the fall and continuing that. And look, the first two days, it was kind of abbreviated hour, hour and a half or so that SMU was working on things just in shorts and T-shirts and, and kind of getting loose. And that was a large focus of it. They didn't do that much team. And then once they got in pads, they expanded things a little bit. But that focus on technique and fundamentals was certainly still there. And that's one of the biggest takeaways I've seen. And as this group, which despite having about 40 new faces on the roster, they have the veteran leadership to help guys along. You have an Ahmad Walker who's played in Scott Simon's defense. You have a Kobe Wilson who, talking to Chris Adamora, he's the first guy in there at 5 a.m. He's the last guy out. That's the Temple transfer that came in at the linebacker room. You've got a lot of veteran guys who have been at different programs, and you also have some of the younger guys who already have a year of college football sprinkled in around there. Your Kyron Chambers, your Jordan Hudson's, your Jalen Davis Robinson, Keyshawn Mills, guys like that. But for SMU, they're able to focus so much of their time now on tackling and fundamentals. Look, you didn't want to have a defense out there that was trying to learn the plays, but gosh, they could you know tackle if they were ever in the right position. I think SMU is trying to limit as best they could the big plays. And I think at times they were able to do that. I still think a lot of the big plays that they were giving up were moments where, look, there was bad technique. And, and we know how thin the defense was. You look at the safety unit. You look at the linebackers. It wasn't a deep group. Now you look at this defense, and it's just night and day difference from a depth perspective. And I think Chris Adamora is a prime example of that. He comes in at the linebacker room with Ahmad Walker. Kobe Wilson, Jaquandis Burns, who's the veteran returning that isn't getting talked about, Alex Kilgore, the true freshman who enrolled in, enrolled in the spring, and Chris Adamora is bulked up about 15 pounds, and he's one of the most athletic linebackers SMU has. So this defense from really top to bottom is just so different in terms of what they can emphasize fundamentally 
because they're going to have multiple groups that can really accomplish what they're trying to defensively. And if they don't, they're not going to play. And so there's that competitive level that SMU is getting out of these defensive players that is allowing them to push them more from a tackling perspective, from a fundamentals perspective, because everyone's expected to pick it up when it comes to year two of the Scott Simons defense. And I think defensively, one thing we've seen throughout fall camp so far, and it was reiterated to me again today before I recorded this podcast, is they're able to make some serious plays on the ball this year because they have more trust in this defensive scheme. They're able to grab some interceptions and, and you know, be able to make plays um, on uh, the ball a little bit more because they have more trust around them in terms of what they have in that defense. They also have a defensive line that can affect the quarterback a little bit. They've got a big guy in Jordan Miller, Elijah Chapman, Elijah Roberts, who's been, you know, really impressive in fall camp. Devere Levelston, um, Corey Roberson, uh, Cam Robertson, uh, Nelson Paul, Isaiah Smith. They just have all these guys that can affect the quarterback and allow the secondary, which is really the most impressive revamp, revamp position group that, that SMU has, and allow them to make plays on the ball. I've seen Jonathan McGill grab an interception. We've seen Brian Massey take one to the house for, on a pick six in Monday's practice. Um, Brandon Crosley had a pick six. Uh, there are multiple guys that have made plays on the ball because they have more trust. And I think that's a huge deal. And Scott Simons put it really simply, I think, on on Saturday when talking with the media. He said, we, we're aiming for two a game. That puts SMU right in the top 25, top 30 of defenses in takeaways. And you want to know what that does? Go back and look through the years. That puts you in position to have one of the better defenses in the country. When you take away drives in today's age of college football, that changes your yardage, giving up, all those things. And that's obvious stuff. But when people talk about this defense taking the next step and how they can improve, the biggest thing they have to do is take away the football. And having the secondary to do that, I think, is something that that is really important. And so as SMU continues to work on tackling, you can save yards there. But one thing their secondary is going to allow them to do is to make plays on the ball. And I think they're much more aggressive. They're much stickier, as I put it in one of the, the practice reports, against some of these receivers as they're going up against them. So I think when you're watching SMU's secondary, and if you've been out to practice, you know this, it really is completely different uh, from what we've seen in the past. So um, I like what the secondary has done a lot. I think they have so many options. And they're going to have guys that could emerge later in the year. If you look at the young guys, those second-year college football players that they have, like a Kyron Chambers, Jalen Davis-Robinson, Keyshawn Mills, um, A.J. Davis, guys like that, I think despite adding veterans like Chris Meganson, Charles Woods, Jonathan McGill, you have Brian Massey back, you have Brandon Crosley back, Ahmad Moses uh, is a second-year guy. Those are the types of players that, could get better and elevate your game, their games. And all of a sudden you're looking at a team that really has a two deep in the secondary across the board. And I think that's a special situation for SMU to be in. And that's one of those things where you can take the next step as a defense when your defensive backs aren't being asked to play so many plays a game, um, when they're not being asked to 
just don't mess up. Don't take risks. We don't have anyone else. That's the biggest change for this SMU team. This fall is going to be uh, those that ability to maybe be aggressive because you know that the defensive line is getting after him. You know the linebacker group might be a little bit more athletic than last year's. They're brand new. They have to prove it. I've said that. But it's a group that is gaining a little bit more confidence day in, day out. And for the secondary, they're the biggest beneficiary of all of this. And I, I think talking with Jonathan McGill, you can tell this is a group that is very confident. And I think Jonathan McGill is quickly rising up my list of best transfer gets for SMU. And he was already a good one. But I think just his professionalism, his uh, ability to make plays, and and he's kind of been through every situation. And he's just so mature. That's going to help this defense so much when it comes to uh, putting it all together. And so I, I really like where SMU stands uh, defensively. They were ahead of the game the first week of practice. That's really not surprising. On the flip side, you get the offense where I think they've done a really nice job with Preston Stone trying to keep it simple for him and Kevin Henry Jennings to lead off camp. And they have they have a lot of new guys. They have a lot of players that are trying to mesh together on the offensive line. They have a couple new uh, receivers and tight ends. They have some new faces. They had a really good end of spring. And I think the offense is always something that you want to see incremental growth and improvement when it comes to what they're doing. And I feel like SMU's offense can have that. And in fall camp, they're really trying to make sure everybody's on the same page. And I think Preston Stone has done a really nice job of improving. The first couple of days, I think there was a lot of rust. And this is just walkthrough stuff you're seeing um, on the YouTube channel if you're watching. But for Preston Stone, there were moments where you thought, okay, that's rust. That's a missed uh, pass. And you were wondering kind of where some of the mistakes would potentially come. I think he's done a really nice job of taking care of the football in fall camp, which is what one I want to see. And I think his arm has shown that it's continued to get stronger. It's continued to get a, in a better situation than it was last year. Um, and he's done a great job in the weight room. I think Jordan Hudson has made some strides, but if you look at the, the offensive side of the ball and we'll kind of wrap up here with a, a few takeaways because they're, they're, there is so much to still still be solved on the offensive side. The biggest takeaways are that you have a receiver room that is so deep. You have an offensive line that is still working on figuring out who the starting guys along the left guard and, and maybe because of that center. But we're seeing some things get figured out pretty quick in fall camp. And I think Jalen Knighton is going to be an absolute star. He's just different. Um, and so I think SMU is going to have one of the best backs in the AAC and, and, and maybe even you can start sleeping on him a little bit in terms of the country. But I think his explosiveness is going to help so much. Kamar Wheaton's come in and look like a totally different player. He's still developing, but he is looks so much more mature, better, et cetera, uh, when looking at how he is physically. And the position groups that the position battles that are still up for grabs, you look at left guard. Logan Parr has come on a little bit. Ja'Kai Clark, the Miami transfer who came in overweight, could show up and, and really start to lose some of that weight and maybe get a little bit better physically and be able to factor in there. 
maybe right away. Um, but you have Ben Sparks, you have Cam Irving, two veteran guys that are still in the mix there maybe. But Justin Osborne has been healthy. Branson Hickman has really held down the center spot. And I don't think necessarily it's close because I don't think where Ja'Kai Clark stands right now, they're ready to trust him for the center spot because he's not in good enough shape. But that could change. He's moved around well for a guy who's probably hovering around 340, 350 right now. Um, I think he moves very well. I can see why he played right away as a true freshman um, at Miami. And he let his weight get away from himself in the spring and in his last month at, at Miami in, in June. So he's got a ways to go to, to drop that weight and get better. Um, but I think he has shown the ability to maybe be somebody that factors in over the course of this year and be a sixth guy, whether it be at guard or center even, to help Branson Hickman or to help Logan Parr. Um, but Logan Parr looks like he had a great first week of camp and has really helped himself long term. I think the outside position at the wide receiver uh, room, Jordan Curley, Jake Bailey, Roderick Daniels, those are kind of my three starters um, with Rod and, and Jake really maybe sharing the slot position. But you have a guy in Moochie Dixon that's really making a move. I think Keyshawn Smith, Smith has started off camp well. And I think Jordan Hudson has as well. Um, I'll also mention, I think Teddy Knox has been a really nice surprise in camp. So things are looking good at the receiver position. When you move over to the defensive side of the ball, I, I still think you're trying to figure out what the perfect formula is at linebacker because you have Ahmad Walker, who is a clear-cut starter, but Kobe Wilson, Chris Adamora, Alex Kilgore, all three of those guys are showing that, and Jaquandis Burns, all four of those guys are showing why they should be on the field, but they're all different guys and they're all different uh, players. So I think that's a good thing in a sense because you don't have to rely on one body type at that spot. You don't have to rely on on Ahmad Walker, play in, play out. You could rotate another guy in. I think that's a position group that is still being solved. And Maurice Crum has a good problem on its hand on his hands. It's much better than what it was when he first came in. Um, at least kind of on paper and trying to figure out what it would look like long term. But I just think this this SME fall camp has really shown me just to to kind of close up here. I, I think this is a team that can really win the conference. Um and and I've I've not really wavered from that on paper, but just seeing them and what they could put together overall because of the depth they have at so many positions. And there are question marks. There's question marks on every team in the country. Um, you look at some of the college football favorites. I mean, Georgia has a new quarterback this year. That's a big question mark. SMU has a new quarterback this year. Big question mark. We've seen spurts of Preston Stone and what he can do, and it looks pretty good. Kevin Jennings looks pretty good. Can they put it together, especially Preston Stone, for the entire season and lead them to a conference championship? That's what he's going to have to show. We're going to have to see another tight end step up. We're going to have to see the left guard spot be solidified. We're going to see how the heck SMU figures out what to do with these running backs. Who gets the carries? But Jalen Knighton looks like he's really merged as a really nice option to be the starter. Uh, defensive end, who's the lead pass rusher? Uh, linebacker, who's that other spot next to Ahmad Walker? Is there any shakeup in the safety room? All of those questions, very, very valid. SMU has depth like I've not really seen in a while. It shows on special teams when they're running through drills and they're running through units. Uh, all of those units are littered with guys that can play. So I think SMU is in a great spot. It's early in fall camp, but there's a lot of reasons to be positive about this team, despite what's going on in conference realignment. 
The biggest thing they can do right now is win. They've got to. We know that. They've got the team, at least on paper, that can do it. So we're going to check in later again this week, uh, maybe with another podcast. But uh, I, since I'm not out of practice right now, it's kind of tough to uh, uh, give you guys takeaways and things like that. But we do have a lot of insider notes, talking with a lot of sources. Uh, we're going to drop our depth charts at ontheponyexpress.com this week. A dollar for a month. Don't forget to, to subscribe before that deal runs out. Get covered throughout uh, the rest of the fall camp and into the season. We'll be back with much more content. We've had interviews and all of those things, highlights on our YouTube channel. So keep subscribing on that end. But it's time to shut down this edition of the podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, maybe we'll see you again from Maine. If not, check in with another podcast as uh, we get back to Dallas and to fall camp and those 100 plus degree temperatures from the mid 60s here in uh, Maine. This is Billy Ambi. Thanks for listening to this edition of the On the Pony Express podcast.